All right, hello and welcome to the Killer Frogs bullpen. This is the fifth episode of the season. I'm JD Andrews, and I'm once again joined by Carson. Carson, how are you today? Good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, great weekend of college baseball for the Frogs. Yesterday got a little scary. Yeah. Uh, they're still playing right now as we record this against Arizona. They're winning five to one this weekend. Uh, you know, let's let's kick it off with the weekend series. What happened first? TCU three game sweep over UCLA, four to three on Friday, six to three Saturday, and the seven inning run roll, thirteen to three on Sunday. Carson, initial takeaways. What were your first thoughts of this as the weekend went on? First two games, pitching dominated. Cole Klecker looked like his usual self. Peyton Toll did a little bit better than his first start. So, I mean, honestly, like that's all you ask for when you're trying to think about what the TCU team needed. Because as we look back, FGCU series, it's shootout after shootout. And that's what, you know, TCU baseball supporters wanted to see was how this TCU pitching staff was going to do against the top 20 team. Yeah, and I think uh, I think even, even you know, more to touch on the bullpen as well, but everyone held it down whenever they were needed. If you were called upon yeah. on the weekend, you, you delivered and you did your job, and that's pretty much all you could ask. Uh, the offense kept rolling. Uh, they had a great pitching matchup against them on Friday and they still delivered with four runs. And, you know, that's pretty much all you can ask. And, you know, when you have a Friday series or the Friday matchup in a weekend series, you know, it's going to be ace versus ace. So runs are going to come at a scarce amount. And for them to put up four runs into battle as well as they did, I think, you know, that's all we can really ask for for them. Um, yeah. You know, what? who stood out to you the most as far from pitching perspective or hitting? Who Who was your, who stood out to you? So for I'll start with hitting. Hitting it was definitely Curtis Byrne. Um, I mean the dude's just a just a clutch hitter. I mean when the guys need need a an at bat, he just delivers every single time. Uh, he puts the nail in the coffin Saturday night with a three run bomb. Um, I mean I, and he just it's not that he's hitting you know, gap shot after gap shot or home run after home run. He is just a consistent hitter. I think he had four singles in the UCLA series. And I think he walked. Let me see. If, let me see if I can figure out how many times he walked. Cause I think it was three times. So yeah, his on base percentage was through the roof. Yeah. I saw a stat on Twitter about Curtis Byrne about how last season, he only had 28 walks, I believe throughout the whole season. And he's already at eight walks through eight games. So yeah. Yeah, I think it, it speaks to how he's developed as a hitter, uh, that he's seeing the ball so well right now that he's not only capable of putting bat to ball, but he's also working the counts and drawing walks when he's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I it was it was tough to say who stood out the most for me because it was a really well done weekend for the whole team as a whole. But I think I kind of want to give a shout out to the Sunday guy right now, which is Zach Morris. Uh, that first inning. Was very terrifying. Uh, you know, bases loaded. I yeah. believe there's no outs, and they could have got bad real quick. But he was able to settle in and then give TCU five innings in a week where pitching was going to be pretty scarce because of the eight games of ten days they had. And I think for him to settle in and do what he did was what the team needed. Was it? And it was better than what he performed last weekend. Um, you know, I think we're going to talk a little bit about Zach Morris later in a later segment. But I do want to shout him out for what he was able to get out of in the first inning and continue to work out his jams and show a little bit of, you know, that maturity and that experience that he has. Uh, 
I got a question for you, Carson. The the constant rotation of the lineup that we saw throughout the weekend with, you know, the players getting twisted around in order, different players coming in and filling in, uh, Peyton Tolley not playing Saturday, Sunday. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the team? So I did ask about Peyton Tolley not being in the lineup on Sunday and Saturday. Sarlos did say that that is a – that's just a kind of managing his time, you know, playing and kind of – because he's been – he's been trying to figure out kind of where he fits into this team right now, maybe not on the pitching aspect, but definitely on the hitting aspect. Um, right now he's batting 231, and he's played in six games with 26 at bats, which I mean, it's not, it's not the worst, but it's definitely not what they expected, you know, from totally coming in. Um, I'm not worried about the rotation of the, of the lineup right now because Sarlos is doing what pretty much every coach in the nation right now is doing. And that's trying to figure out where guys stick, trying to figure out what lineup is going to give him the best chance to win every game. So right now I don't mind it. Ask me that question two weeks from now. Okay. Maybe we've got a little bit of hesitation if we're still rotating guys in and out, but I also think that it's kind of a, a good thing that you can put guys in off the bench if they haven't played in two or three games and they just go out and hit two for three or three for four. Yeah. I, I, I do think it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches per se in that TCU has so many options that, you know, you can slot one in during a midweek game to give a guy a day off and you're picking up right where they left off. But uh, you know, I, I listened to your interview, which is over available at killerfrogs.com when you talk to Kirk Sarlis and he said that Peyton Tolley was having a little bit of timing issues. And I understand that, but I feel like a good way of doing that is when the offense is performing as well as it is, you can kind of allow him to have his at-bats where he struggles in, you know, while seeing live at-bats right now. It's only something that might benefit him in the longer run of what's going on. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing him play in some midweek games just as a DH, for sure. Yeah, yeah he, he, he played in the uh, – the Tuesday night midweek. Do you, anything else, you know, speaking of the Tuesday night game against Washington State, anything else you want to add about the UCLA series? Um, I don't think UCLA is as good as everybody thinks. I do think that they are talented, and I do think that they could sneak their way into the top 25, you know, by the end of the season. But the hitting, I think, is too young. I think yeah. I think their players are a little too young right now. Yeah, um, there, you know, the, we talked before we started recording, and I just don't think there was much to either take away from this series or, you know, lean on and talk about because it was pretty cut and dry. TCU kind of dominated from the very beginning of Game One to when they got the last out with Andrew Mosiello on the mound Sunday. Uh, mm -hmm. It was it was TCU the entire way through and. It's not a knock on UCLA. We talked about on the preview how they're a very young team and they're going right, to be good. Right. But, you know, second weekend of the series, uh, season, you know, everyone's going to struggle. Yeah. Um, Tuesday night game, Washington State. They roll into town. TCU has two midweek games. They have the first of two against Washington State. Van Hampton's on the mound. First pitch, gone. <laughs> TCU ends up coming back, put up a little bit of a crooked inning. And takes a lead of, you know, ends up taking a lead of seven to three before in the ninth inning, giving it, uh, 
blowing a four-run lead, taking it to extra innings, and winning eight to seven on the Luke Boyers uh, single. Uh, first thoughts on that game as it was going on. Well, first thought was I wish that I went to the game because <laughs> I decided to do homework. Yay. Yeah. But school comes first. School comes first. But so my my immediate takeaway was, oh, crap. We're about to get beat by Washington State early in the game. Because when your hitter has a leadoff home run like that, that kind of sneaks into your mind as, as a TCU or well, as any top 10 team that sneaks into your mind and it kind of like, okay, now everybody's on edge. But as the game went on, we take the lead again and then we blow the lead. Um, I started to think about kind of past TCU teams and how those past TCU teams probably lose this game. But because of the culture that Coach Sarlos has built around this team, they find, they just found a way to get it done. And that's all you can say about that game. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it, it proves the resiliency of the team and how they are as a unit in that there's not a time that no matter how much they get behind with Florida Gulf Coast or blowing a four-run lead in the top of the ninth inning, they know that they are good enough to come back and win or fight enough to win. Yeah, um, absolutely. Zach Quayer came in and pitched – Phenomenal, not allowing any runs, keeping the game close in extra innings. Uh, I do I – n- I will never, ever doubt Kirk Sarlos in anything he does. But I do have a question. If you're Kirk Sarlos in that game, eighth inning, Hunter Hodges Here is icing with the three strikeouts. Here we go. <laughs> would you still have went to Kyle Ayers? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it depends on the energy that I'm seeing in the Washington State dugout. If they're like, so say they say they get one or two runs back against Coy or something like, or well, against which whoever's pitching, yeah, they get they get a couple runs back. I'm probably going to the next guy. I don't think I would take him out. In that scenario, I think I'm sticking with Coyer for at least one more after that inning. Justin, just like as a guy with kind of a pitching mind, I'm probably going to go to the bullpen after that next inning that Coyer pitches. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think I could understand, you know, trying to get airs in, get a little bit of pitching, but whenever yeah. it's, you know, you have eight games in 10 days, let's just close the door, move on tomorrow. You know, let's Washington state's not a bad ball club. Uh, no, they were, they no. were playing in the round rock tournament this weekend, put up a good fight against Kentucky uh, beat, I believe it was Houston in the tournament. They, yeah. uh, they, they're a very good ball club. That's a, kind of a sneaky good team for the Pac-12 this year. And I think, you know, Washington State played amazing, had great at-bats, and TCU never blinked. They said, hey, you know what? You brought it back four runs. First two innings were kind of – and the extra innings were kind of, you know, so-so. It's a wash. In the 12th inning, they load them with no outs. And for a second, I thought TCU was going to leave them stranded. Uh, but Luke yeah. Boyers, who took the who didn't play Sunday, didn't start the game on the midweek against or against Washington State, was able to come in and provide the winning the win, uh, running RBI. And I think you know, I'm very high on Luke Boyers on the season. I think, and I'm hoping that that's the spark he needed to kind of get back into the swing of things for this season. Yeah. By the way, Boyers on that hit last night, 
and his last 12 at bats before that one hit yeah that is impressive to be able to come in and do that just automatic well maybe not automatically it was i mean but to be able to just kind of put aside your mental for a moment and just focus on the job at hand is really cool yeah even in the 10th inning when he got his first at bat and he gave it a he get hit a ball deep into the center field and it was on the warning yeah. tracks and yeah you know, he's been here long enough that he knows, hey, if it's not my time now, when it is my time, I'm going to be ready. And that's all you can kind of ask for whenever a player is struggling. And I think, you know, today in the midweek game, he got the start out there. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I do have another question about the Washington State midweek before we move on. But we saw uh, Jack Basier play out in left field, Logan Maxwell, the night off. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it's something that was happening in the fall of the spring or maybe it's just kind of, hey, let's get an extra outfield body in case we need one. But uh, I, I how do you feel about TCU's basically secondary lineup and the ab ability for players to be able to slot in wherever? I mean, I think it just kind of speaks to their depth. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, I personally love Logan Maxwell. You know this. Yes. So obviously I'm going to be disappointed when he's not, <laughs> yeah. when he's not playing, but um, yeah, he was, he was kind of 50, 50 on his at bats. Uh, he had two good at bats. I remember. And then he yes. had two and then he had two where it kind of looked like, okay, what are we, what are we doing here? But I mean, uh, overall the secondary lineup for TCU can, can absolutely rake. Yeah, I, I think TCU's in a good spot, and we touched on it earlier, where you got guys that, you know, like Ryder Robinson played, came in and played because Bertie Green was dealing with a leg injury. Not really an injury, but just a little bit of a nagging bug. And uh, came in and did a great job. Uh, Sam Myers was in right field and played an excellent game. And But there's only been three positions on the team that haven't been switched at all. It's... Anthony Silva at shortstop, Peyton Chatanier at second base, and Chase Brunson at center. Uh, yeah. Carson Bowen and Curtis Brand have been switching off first and catchers, so technically those have stayed the same. But yeah. everything else has not kind of been – has had a solidified place, and I think yeah, it's a, it's a good mark for TCU to be at right now. Yeah, I think so too. Oh. Uh, Sam Myers has definitely – I mean, he's impressed me greatly with his hitting. Yeah, he, he's – TC is a very, very good freshman class right now. And yeah. Sam Myers being able to slot in for Luke Boyers and basically do what Luke Boyers does is incredible as a true freshman. Yeah. Um. All right, well, let's move on to the Wednesday night game, which just ended right now. TC mm -hmm. won 6-1 to one over Arizona. Um, Braden Sloan, he's disgusting. <laughs> I yes. Braden Sloan got the start for today because TCU had eight games in 10 days again and delivered, yeah. struck out the side in the first inning, uh, struck out the side in the third inning and was just disgusting. Yeah. I'll go ahead and go on record right now and say that he is the greatest midweek <laughs> starter in the nation and it's not close. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> he is, uh... that is. That is insane. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, Hagen Smith-esque, if you will. Yes, yes. Uh, 
did TCU was kind of in a tough spot, needed a big delivery from whoever they, you know, they threw out. And, you know, I, I, you and I were texting during the game yesterday because, you know, you had to do homework and we were texting and I told you they went to Louis Rodriguez after Ben Hampton yesterday. And so I assumed that meant we were going to see Braden Sloan start. We got some starts last yeah. year in Omaha and I kind of like it. I kind of, he kind of, too. that feels like a natural role for him. Am I wrong yeah, I, on that? No, no. I, I think this game was kind of his way of saying, Hey, I'm not out of the race for this Sunday spot yet. So keep your eyes on me. I I'm ready to go. I think that's him telling Sarlos that he wants more time and he wants his time to be extended, you know? Yeah. And, it, you know, they talked about that in the broadcast about how he's putting other pitchers on notice. And uh, I think we're going to touch on that a little bit later in the, the hot take segment that we're unveiling today. But yeah, uh, I, I just basically TCU has been doing what they have been doing. They're going to mash the ball. And they're going to either outscore you or their pitching is going to show up and they're going to shut you down. And uh, that was just an A1 performance from the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get into, you know, this weekend's preview. TCU is playing at the, I believe it's called the pronounced Kubata Classic at Globe Life Field, home of the World Series, defending World Series champions, Texas Rangers. And, uh, to be taking on USC twice, Friday, Sunday, Arizona yeah. State Saturday, and aren't playing AM. So before before we get into the preview for USC and Arizona State, how do you feel about not playing AM this weekend, Kurt? I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I'm sorry. Like that is that is an opportunity to just go head to head with a really good team. And we're not I, I don't know how they do the scheduling. I don't know how they manage all that, okay? I don't know if the coaches have to agree on it, but the fact that these two coaches did not, you know, like ask for like a Sunday night game or something like that is – I just think it's wrong. But may, you know what? They're coaching at the D1 level. I'm not, so. <laughs> so – at first, I was genuinely also in the same boat as you. I was very upset. But then yeah. someone brought to my attention that they kind of had to do it this way. Uh, Arizona State and USC are in the same conference. They can't play pre-conference. So oh. rather than having them sit out, which I said, just let them sit out a game, let them travel <laughs> early, and let's see TCU and AM on a Sunday night game. Just <laughs> do you know how great that would be? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do wish it'll happen. Hopefully it doesn't happen in super regional or regional play because I still have flashbacks from 22 in a game against them in the past. But <laughs> uh, yeah, TCU's taking on a USC team Friday and Sunday, and it's a USC team person that's not playing well, not at in the slightest. And yeah. uh, they have 15 hitters on the roster, and only four of them have over a 300 batting average right now. And uh, they're struggling. Uh, yeah. USC, I, uh, I just I fully expect to beat them handedly. Arizona State, I do think that will be a good game because Arizona State is known for playing high level teams and playing up to their level. So I expect that to be a good one. Yeah, the, I have, the USC wins. Um, it's still another team that they get to play, and that they still have to come out and 
treat like it's any other team. Um, it's not good. They're not just going to hand it over. No. But statistically, TCU plays very well at Globe Life. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's like oh, yeah. they're home away from home. And uh, I do expect that to stay the same. I I am very much looking forward to the series. Uh, it is TCU's first non-home game of the year, which it's less than 20 miles away, so I don't know if it really counts. But it's the, it's the tour of the Pac-12 they're running on, and I think this weekend will be a good a, a, a good time to kind of see, hey, you know what? There's another there's another ball club here in AM that we're not playing. Let's just look at the differences and how they how they you know control themselves, how they approach at bats. And yeah, they're gonna be playing mutual teams. I know it's kind of not the same thing. You can't take it on because of different starters every night, but it's just kind of a good way to gauge how, how the team actually is before seeing them play a better team. Right. Um yeah, let's uh Let's get into a new segment that we kind of talked about a little bit. It's called the hot take segment. Um, I'm gonna start with the, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. I want you to know, I want you to respond and let me know if it's a hot take or if you agree with it and why. Okay. So first one is should Ben Hampton be the Sunday starter and replace Zach Morris? Not yet. Zach Morris is doing his job as the Sunday starter. You're your Sunday starter is not your your best pitcher, but he's the guy that can kind of just kind of crowd manage, I guess, and just make sure that no there are no crooked numbers, there are no just you know innings that end up with you down ten runs, right? That's that's what your Sunday starter does, and he does that role really really well. I mean, he got out of two jams last week, uh, first inning. Bases loaded, he gets out of it, no runs scored. Uh, third inning, I believe. I think it was the third inning. Uh, runners on second and third. He only lets up one run with no outs. Like, that's exactly what you want from your Sunday guy. Now, if if both of those guys start to head in opposite directions where Ben Hampton only gets better and Zach Morris starts to kind of fall apart, then I think there's something to debate there. But then again, you've got Braden Sloan right on these guys' tails. I mean, you could slot him in there and just have him leapfrog uh, Ben Hampton. Yeah, that was going to be my next uh, version of the question is, let's take Ben Hampton out of the question. You just professed your love for Braden Sloan and how, yeah. how great you think he is. Should <laughs> yeah. Braden Sloan be the Sunday starter? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, do think, I do think it's something to monitor because we've – Oh, I'm, okay. I've been, Let me – let me let me re- let me rephrase. If like Braden Sloan, I think there is more of a debate because I think that he has shown more in high leverage situations. Yeah, I, you know, I think when you when you think of your Sunday starter, there's not much difference between them. Uh, they both get a lot of their outs through their off speed pitches. They're yep. both lefties with a weird release angle. Um, they kind of carry the same thing, but. It's not something that, hey, you know what? Braden Sloan had one good start. Let's throw him in as a Sunday starter. No, Zach Morris has to lose that. That's his spot to lose. But yeah, I, I think we've been very, I don't want to say vocal, but we've talked about often already about how Zach Morris may not be able to have that high ceiling that we think that he wants out. And Braden Sloan, we still kind of, we've seen that high ceiling for him. So I think it's something to monitor and, you know, look at going forward. Yeah, um, I think so too. 
the next question. Should Sam Myers be starting somewhere in the outfield? He should be starting in right field. Okay. At right now, right now he should be starting in right field. His the way that he approaches his at bats is really good. Even after the walk off by Luke Boyers last night. Yes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Luke Boyers, I, I have this down in my notes. I want him if it is eighth inning or later. Anytime before that, though, it's Sam Myers. And I think yeah. right now, I think we're I think we're currently witnessing Sam Myers lock up that starting role with how he's been hitting. I think he went two for four tonight with a double. And I mean, that, that kind of natural hitting is hard to beat when you're Luke Boyers and you've been struggling quite a bit, even with the walk-off. Yeah. Um, you know, we I, I think we talked about before the season about how Luke Boyers is kind of going to provide that better leadership and that voice that the team needed. And I think Peyton Chattanier is basically doing that role right now. And if Luke is yeah. going to be struggling like he has been, um, then I don't see a problem with slotting Sam into right field. And I'm not saying that means that Sam is going to be the starting right fielder the rest of the season. It's kind of going to be what's happening right now. Luke was struggling. Hey, let's give him a weekend series off or a few games off and let's start Sam out in there. Okay, Sam starts to struggle. Let's put Luke back. You know, it's it's yeah, it's a rotation of right field. Yeah, I mean, I and I think you can also play kind of the pitching matchup as well. I mean, say TCU's facing a lefty, which Luke Boyer's historically hits really well off of. Yeah, I mean, you might want to put him up, put him in. Yeah, it, this year's lineup I think gives you a lot more flexibility than we've seen in, I'd say, the past three years of what you're able to do. Think so. Uh, just based off the talent level alone that we've seen already, for you know, through the season. Um, last question for the hot take segment: uh, Fate of the world's in your hands. You gotta pick one starting third baseman for the rest of the season, and he's gonna be the best performing third baseman. Who do you? Who is it? Who are you slotting that? Fate of the world in my hands. Death being pointed at Earth. I want Brody Green. Yeah, okay. Right. Not Iguodala, but Brody, Brody <laughs> Green's a close second. Yeah, so, you, okay, you sold him on me, like, to me, like, pretty early in the season. You were like, hey, dude, Brody Green's the third baseman. And we came out, and he, he didn't touch the field for the first two games. And you were kind of like, wow, that's shocking. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's just not as good as the guy that we that we're seeing right now. And within the first three or four at bats, I I think I looked at you and just kind of said, "Okay, I see why you were so high on him." Yeah, the dude just mashes. Yeah, and it's and it's not that he's like levels above the other third baseman and fielding. It's just that he's he's been getting the job done at the hot corner right now. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of – we've talked about it. Third base is such a hard position to play right now following in the steps of Brady and Taylor. Oh, yeah. And when your defense between Ryder Robinson, Jack Basier, and Brody Green are all going to be kind of with – you know, in a few plays of each other, like uh, Jack Basier might make a few more plays here and there. Brody Green might mess up on one or two more plays, and Ryder Robinson's kind of the middle of them. I'm going to take the guy that can hit a little bit better. Like, it's just kind of – especially when your offense is already humming as well as it is. Hey, let's keep the offense going. Let's put up 10 runs every game. 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that we're both saying the same thing because historically TCU baseball is valued defense. Yeah. Like they have never been the ones to straight up take hitting and nothing else. Like they, they've been, they've just been very, very defense and pitching focused the past, I would say seven, eight years. But I think that speaks more volumes about how great the rest of the defense around him is. Uh, you have a first-round draft pick in Anthony Silva at shortstop. Peyton Chatnier, who has been a, just a human vacuum lately. You have your catching rotation between catcher and first and Curtis Brandon Carson Bowen. You have yeah. Luke Boyers in right field, who is one of the best defensive outfielders in the Big 12. Chase Brunson has, while well, he's struggled like here and there a little bit, he's been stellar out in center field. And you have Logan Maxwell out left, who's going to give you everything you want out of your left field. You know, it's the defense as a whole is already great. So if you're going to have one tiny spot where maybe it's not going to be locked down at all times, but he's going to mash for you, I think that's a solid trade-off. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think that'll wrap up the hot take segment. One thing we didn't do that I want to go back and talk about is we didn't go over last weekend's MVP picks that we made and then give our this weekend's MVP picks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So last weekend... Uh, for the hitting MVPs, I had Brody Green. You had Logan Maxwell, yes. and uh, Brett had Chase Brunson. Yes. Uh, I am personally going to go ahead and give myself my first victory with Brody Green. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. And what what angers me is that Logan Maxwell did great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Brody Green. I'm One telling the- you. Yeah, so Maxwell, in the three games against UCLA, he went five for uh, five for eleven. Um, but yeah, Brody Green, he had the at bats. He, he didn't play great Sunday, but he didn't yeah. need to because he performed in the games that mattered, which won them the series. So, yeah, I, I do think that's a that's a win for you. Yeah, now, now when it comes to the pitching MVP, I'm completely out of the conversation because my choice did not even touch the field during the weekend of Louis Rodriguez. <laughs> but you picked Cole Klecker, who had a fantastic Saturday, yes. and Brett picked Ben Abel, who only had who only had one appearance, but it was a big time he save did. in Friday's game. It was it was a big time save. <laughs> um, um, I feel like I don't know. Okay. I think okay. I think I'm, I'm gonna. I think I might have to give you the win on this one, simply because Ben only having one appearance and Cole's Clucker's jump from last Saturday's performance to this Saturday is the only thing. But if you want to vouch for Brett right now, go ahead. I'll. You know what? I'm gonna share this one because Cole Clucker four, four in a third inning, one run, six hits, which isn't bad for him. Um, the strikeout total is definitely lower for Klecker so far this season. Yeah. Uh, not that he's like a like a nine to ten strikeout guy every single weekend, but just that I think he had a little bit more early in the season last time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share this one with Brett because that that performance by A built in a tight game, one run game. Oh my gosh, that is a relief pitcher's dream right there. Uh, yeah, so that puts our season standings. You have one and a half points on the season uh, <laughs> since we both got zero on the pitching side last weekend 
right there's an opening weekend I we don't talk we point. don't talk about that we don't talk <laughs> yeah about i have one point and the guests have have a point so far um all right <laughs> so let's go ahead and make our predictions for this weekend series uh let's start with the pitching this time you go first okay so for this weekend i'm gonna go with the guy that we keep seeing and that i believe continues to play a big role and it's going to be zach boyer um at some point in this weekend series, he's either going to come in for three innings or he's going to give you two innings of high-stress ball that he's going to have to come in and get out of a jam for the team for. And he's been excellent at that. He's also the only pitcher in the nation right now that is 3-0 uh, after picking up the win in last night's game. And he's just become yep. a vital piece of the bullpen that I think is going to continue to thrive and has, a, while certainly playing a big part, will continue to play an even bigger part as it goes on. Yeah, I think so too. What about you? Who's your pick? I'm going to go with Peyton Toll. Okay. And I think that he's going to make, I think he's going to make another jump in his starting performance. I think he's, I think he goes at least five and a third in this one. Uh, well, just past five innings. Uh, and I think that you're going to see kind of him settle in finally. Cause I, I feel like he hasn't really settled in yet. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, it, he's am, been I, am I crazy? No, he's been pitching phenomenal. His strikeout rates are really good right now. He's missing bats. It's just when he finds himself in trouble and can't find the strike zone, it's like he can't find it for two to three batters. Um, if he goes without those hiccups, I think he's given you six, seven-plus innings of nine, eight strikeout performance. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take Tolly. Uh, let's talk about hitting MVP for the weekend. I went first in the last one, so I'm going to throw it over to you on this one. Okay. I'm going to go – first guy that came to mind was Peyton Chatonier. Ah. Oh, I just yeah, the it? same pick. Yeah. I just stole it. I have a backup pick. Don't worry. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with Peyton Chatonier. Um, His ability to get on base in the leadoff role is has been unmatched. I mean, it's, it's exactly what the Frogs were looking for whenever he transferred to TCU, was a guy that can kind of jumpstart the offense from the very first inning. And I think that's what he's going to do this inning. And I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to have two home runs this weekend. Okay. I like that. It's uh, it's out there. He's currently leading the team to three home runs right now. Uh, I wanted to pick Carson Bowen just because simply his Sunday performances have been absurd. Uh, he has 14 <laughs> RBIs on the season and 10 of them are on, the, on Sundays only. That's insane. <laughs> uh, but I'm actually going to flip this around and I'm going to go with Logan Maxwell. Right field plays to lefties, and uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna get out there, and he's gonna have a good weekend this weekend. And okay. uh, I, I think it'd be even better to be able to say I won the MVP weekend with your guy Logan Maxwell. <laughs> uh, I know I should have rode with him. Dang yeah. Uh, oh, I thought about it. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to add before we close this one out? No, I expect I expect TCU to play really well this weekend. I expect to get three three wins. Yeah. So. TCU has a big weekend this weekend at the Globe Life. Uh, Tuesday, they take on Abilene Christian in the midweek game. And then a week from Friday, they start conference play against Kansas. So uh, pretty soon we'll be going to two episodes a week. So, so yeah, about two more weeks of one episode, and then we're breaking it down even more. So I think that'll do it for today. Thank you for joining us in Killer Frogs Bullpen. I'm J.D. This is Carson, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Thank guys. you.